Welcome to Gu Dao Jingxing, Walking the Timeless Way, a podcast that digs deeply into the ancient texts of Dao De Jing to uncover its timeless wisdom and discuss how to apply it to today's chaotic world. I'm David Wang, executive coach and consultant. I'm joined by my co-host Ian Felton, a practicing psychotherapist and coder. Good morning, Ian. Hey, David. How are you this morning? I'm I'm trying to stay warm. We we're we're having a um a, a nice little snowstorm up here up here today. Oh, I see. Wow, is it still uh cold out there in uh, uh feels cold there in Minneapolis? Yeah, we got through kind of that. There was that that really intense polar vortex that affected big parts of the country. But we had a couple weeks where it was negative fifteen, negative twenty, pretty intense. And so we're we're past that and and looking forward to spring. I see. Talking about vortex, uh, this uh, coming weekend, actually today, I think this uh, big event is a.、Uh, Uh, is uh, taking place in my place,、uh, Orlando, Florida. Oh yeah, I, I heard about that. That's the、um, is that the 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 CPAC? Yes, yes. And、uh, you know, as you probably saw in the news, this uh, uh, little uh, statue is quite interesting. Yeah, that of course you're 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 talking about the one where.、Um, It's a it's a statue of of Donald Trump and and of course、um, since we're talking about humility to, today that statue is a a gold statue of of Donald Trump. Yeah, yeah. You know when I look at that, I and I when I、uh, plan、uh, for our discussion today,、uh, I was th- wondering what、uh, Lao Tzu uh, would uh, think about that. Yeah, th- I'm I'm. I'm Comparing and contrasting because I think recently there's been two、um, statues in, in the news, and and one Dolly Parton, Tennessee wanted to make a statue of Dolly Parton because she has done all of this service work and has done a, a whole lot of、um, charitable work to help people and and、mm-hmm. lots of just terrible situations.、Mm-hmm. And and she generally、um, took this very humble approach of saying, "Hey,、mm. you know, don't make a statue of of me. It's it's not a. I, I don't want a statue. I don't need a statue. There's there's better things for us to be focusing on."、Mm. And and really took that humble、uh, approach of saying, "Hey,、uh, this isn't necessary. Please don't do it."、Mm. And then of course. Um, the big news this week is is the gold statue of of Donald Trump. I was I was wondering is that the real gold, just out of curiosity, or is that the gold、uh, powder <laughs> around it? Is that real gold? I'm I'm pretty sure it's gold paint. Oh, it's a gold paint. Okay, I see. So it's kind of fake, right? <laughs> yeah, seems appropriate. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, with that,、uh, maybe we can、uh, delve a little bit into、uh, Chapter Sixty Six. And uh, uh, as I、uh, try to remember all the previous uh, chapters uh, throughout the Dao De Jing,、uh, you know, one of the key themes is、uh, humility. In fact,、uh, one of Lao Tzu's、uh, three treasures:、uh, mm. compassion. 
uh, hum uh, humility is one of them, and then the simplicity. Those mm. are the three treasures of Laozi. Mm. Uh, and uh, today we're talking about uh, humility. Um, so I'm going to, I have lots of questions and uh, I'm going to uh, ask you and uh, want to uh, find your thoughts so that, uh, uh, you know, uh, we can share with each other, uh, you know, this uh, notion of humility in the modern context mm. and also share with our listeners, you know, uh, as we walk uh, the uh, timeless way, how humility is embodied in our mm. daily lives. That sounds wonderful. Okay, great. So maybe to start with, um, you know, when we talked about humility, uh, different people have different things in mind. So I'm curious, like, uh, you know, when this word uh, comes up, you know, how do you define it? What's, uh, what's your take on what humility really is? Well, I, I love when you said being embodied because I, I feel like mm. all these things, these um, treasures, hu humility, compassion, sim simplicity, when they're only ideas in our head, they're not real. They, they can only become real when we embody them in, in the world. And so humility is ultimately a, a way of, of being in the world. It, it can't just be a, an idea. Mm. Um, and and we, we live in a world that we didn't choose along with everybody else who's living here on earth with us. Mm -hmm. We don't know why we're here. Mm -hmm. We don't know for how long. Mm -hmm. And being in the world with this state of existence in our present moment awareness, I feel like that's humility, this, this knowing that we don't know, knowing that we, we, we know that we didn't choose to be here, we don't know why we're here, we don't know what, uh, for how long it's going to last, and that we're all in the same situation, I feel like that is, is humility. So mm, I, I, like, I like this way, uh, your take on it. It's, it seems to me that, uh, you know, you're talking about uh, something uh, like uh, either intellectual humil humility uh, or spiritual humility, and meaning that uh, acknowledging our limitations, the mm -hmm. limitations of our knowledge. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, as I remember, you know, going back, uh, even back to Socrates in the ancient Greece, I think uh, uh, I can't remember the exactly his saying, but he's saying maybe I'm a little bit better than uh, the other person just because uh, I sort of know, uh, I, I, I know what I don't know, mm -hmm. something mm -hmm. along that line. So I think that seems to point to people that, you know, I, I think it's uh, we don't have all the answers, even though sometimes we sound, you know, so sure and confident. But, you know, in the grand scheme things, they're, they're just, as you said, there's just so many questions. Yeah, that we it's those there's more limitations than, than there's not. I mean, we ultimately really know practically nothing. I mean, and, and because we don't understand 
what why we're here or, or what any of this is is about and and so um for example for fritz pearls who he was a founder of gestalt therapy mm -hmm. he said the basic problem not only of therapy but of life mm. is how to make life livable for a being whose dominant characteristic is his awareness of himself as a unique individual mm -hmm. on the one hand and of his mortality on the other. Mm, wow. Okay. Okay. Do you mind elaborating a little bit more, uh, you know, this uh, particular uh, observation? How does that translate into our day-to-day -day life? Well, how it translates is that pretty much we experience life as this special creature, me. You know, mm. you, you, you experience life as David. I experience it as, as Ian. Mm. And we feel like this is a very special, unique experience. Mm. And it is. But at the same time, it's going to end. Yes. And, and, and so there's the specialness to it. But we have absolutely no understanding of why we're experiencing it what the point of it is mm -hmm. and we know it's going to end. Like we, we have full awareness that this special experience that I have as, as my life as mine will be over. Yeah. And, and, and seemingly if, if I, I think if, we're, if, if we're being honest, we don't know why. Mm -hmm. If we do decide to believe something, it's a leap of faith. We're, we're just having faith in that. But we really don't don't know. We have to admit, I'm just having faith that that I believe that this is what the purpose is. But ultimately, uh, that type of true faith has to have the acknowledgement that we're mortal. We don't know why, but I still experience life as this very special event of being me. I see. So there's a really a fine balance between these two, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. Like being um, being something and nothing at the same time. Being something or nothing. Oh wow, that's a that's a great way of putting it. Um, along that line, I was wondering, you know, with that kind of awareness and realization, uh, how does that translate into our not just the seeing seeing the world, but also like dealing with other people. You know, uh, sometimes when I see or hear humility, it has something to do with the social dimension of it, mm -hmm. right? The mm -hmm. interpersonal dimension of it. Mm -hmm. How does that spiritual or, uh, you know, intellectual type of humility of acknowledging we don't have the answer translating to our dealing uh, interaction with other people? Well, I think so socially it's 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 difficult because mm. cultural impact on how we create our core beliefs. So, for example, mm -hmm. you know, our, our culture want pretty much tells us things like America is the greatest country, mm -hmm. we're we're special people, and um right you know, 
Right. Like it, it really tells us, sends us these messages all the time. And, right. and in the modern world, it also says like, you're special if, if you buy this product or if you buy this product, it tells other people that you're a certain type of person. Right. Um, but humility requires us to uh, acknowledge things like my country is just another planet, another country on, on this planet. That's, that's full of people like, like other you know, people all around the world. And that, I'm just another person on mm. the planet, very much like, you know, seven to eight billion other people on this planet who are just trying to survive and, and make sense of things. Mm. And so I, I think socially it's, it's difficult for us to be humble because for us to kind of walk that uncertain ground we have to expose vulnerabilities in ourselves that society says that we shouldn't have, you know, we should be, um, you know, assertive and, and we, we should, if, if we want people to acknowledge us, we have to stand out. You know? Right. 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 No one's going to get a thousand likes from being humble and just like everyone else, you're going to get the, the two or three likes that everyone else gets. Right, right. So what you're saying here is, is it the social dynamics, the cultural factors are really making our, uh, this humility a very uh, kind of a difficult thing? Uh, I, I don't use the word maybe to, to embody. Like, uh, so what, what makes humility? Why is it so hard? Because I vividly remember reading uh, the autobiography, of uh, you know one of the founding fathers, uh, uh, Benjamin Franklin. Mm. You know, as you know, he is trying to. He's always very keen on improving himself. Mm -hmm. So he uh, selected uh, selected uh, twelve virtues, mm -hmm. right, and practice practice that virtue on a weekly basis and writing down, you know, his uh, you know what he did well, what he still failed. And then one of his uh, Quaker friends suggested he added the 13th virtue, which is humility. And then in his autobiography, he kind of a very, uh, uh, you know, uh, very candidly share with the readers uh, that his natural tendency is to be very uh, argumentative, you know, always, you know, uh, to demonstrate how sure he is about his opinion and how hard it is uh, to be humble. And then little by little, he feel like uh, as a part of human nature, sometimes we're able to master a little bit to kind of repress it or, or, or control it a little bit. But all of a sudden, it all popped up, it, up again, you know. <laughs> so, so that tells me that, you know, somebody like, uh, you know, Frank, uh, Benjamin Franklin, who is so deliberately about it and find it very hard. So, uh, can you share with us some thoughts about, uh, you know, maybe evolutionarily, psychologically, or culturally, you know, why it's so hard? Maybe pinpoint a couple of things that, you know, we can be more aware of, uh, you know, on our path to embody, uh, you know, embodying that uh, humility. Sure. You know, we, we evolved and a world that was completely different than 
the civilized world that homo sapiens have been around for a quarter of a million years plus civilization has only been around for let's just say even on the longer end six to seven thousand years where we've had agriculture and villages and um, animal husbandry and and things like that and so you know essentially for all of um, the the human species time we've really depended upon each other to survive i mean mm-hmm. outside of civilization mm-hmm. we know you're going to last about a day in the wilderness if you don't have help from other people to stay stay warm fend off predators gather food we we just can't survive on mm-hmm. on our own and so we we kind of need to prove ourselves as as valuable to the tribe evolutionarily like mm. we, we, if 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 people don't see value in in you, you you're a mouth that has to be fed and mm. and they might stop trying to ha- have you around and so mm. there's the sense of belonging that we have inside and instinctually that we're really wired to look for social cues from other people to see are, are they disapproving of me or not mm, mm, mm. and and so we we kind of want to prove ourselves and, and mm. i think that that's that's instinctual and and part of ourselves but when it goes too far that's when people say like oh they're you know that person's not humble enough and so we're always working against that tension of or trying, not humble sometimes yeah. so uh it's become a subtle uh threat to other people can, sure. can you go that far it's originally i think on the one hand uh we need to constantly uh kind of uh, validate or prove ourselves through uh this group thing right as a part of our self-defense uh mechanism just for security mm-hmm. and stuff but then you know you move along that continuum to the other end and then other people may see you as a threat or mm-hmm. or or some kind of a nuisance you know mm-hmm. in, in a way yeah i mean it's it's when when we look at um nomadic groups where you know there there's just a lot more equality because when when one person maybe would start getting too much again that threat of like hey there's meager resources and, and this one person is getting too self-important and, right. and they're, they're taking more than their fair sure. share yep but in our world it's it's much different i mean we've we've essentially created the ability to extract all of the world's resources and and even though there's people who are taking you know far more than their fair share of resources because there's still so many people that have enough and and our culture has taught us that we should aspire to be one of these hoarders right like our society Mm -hmm. says like the best thing that could happen to you would be to become a trillionaire where you have 
you know, a, a huge amount of the world's resources compared to other people. Our, our society says, yeah, that's what we should all aspire to be. So it, it's, it's very hard in, in that way. And then also now we've gone beyond just a consumer culture to an, an attention culture where everyone's fighting to be seen. Mm-hmm. You have all these people, I mean, we're doing it, right? Like we're, we're part of this attention culture. We're making this podcast. Right. We, we, we want, we want part of that attention. We want people to listen mm-hmm. to us, but there's, there's 7 billion people, 8 billion people. And so many of them are competing for that a, a, a attention. Well, how are you going to get attention if you're kind of passive and, and humble with it? And so we're all fighting for that attention too. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. So all that are kind of a working together as forces to kind of make it hard to, to be humble. Yeah, to say the least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's uh, turn our discussion a little bit kind of uh, uh, onto the more uh, personal level. Sure. Uh, you know, I was wondering, you know, if you look at your life's journey, and look at, uh, you know, kind of self-reflect uh, a little bit. Uh, what aspects of humility we just talked about uh, come easy to you? And what feels it hard that you constantly have to be deliberately working on? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, the part that's easy, again, is the, the abstract thinking part, where mm-hmm. abstractly it just makes sense that if, if we're humble we're acknowledging that there's so much that we don't know we're acknowledging mm-hmm. um you know that i'm i'm not any more special than anyone mm-hmm. else mm-hmm. E- even if i have talents and you know uh, other things that ultimately it it doesn't mean that that i'm any i'm i'm in no more special of a situation than than any other person I see. So intellectually, it's not a big, uh, a big jump uh, for you to embrace that humility, right? It all makes mm-hmm. sense, right? In, in intellectually, okay. Yeah, and and then it gets it's you know my brain gets it, but then that embodied process does what bodies do, which is engage with the world as if <laughs> my business is the most important business, and it's very important business, and. Mm-hmm. You know, and we just talked about how we're we're wired that way, and and it also automatically means that we want to give ourselves the special consideration. You know, my my life is the most important life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I try to work on it just like I, I keep a lot of spreadsheets just to kind of track these basic things like, am I exercising, drinking mm-hmm. enough enough water mm. spending spending too much time on the internet i mean how special of a creature can i be if i need to track how much water i'm drinking right i mean that's pretty pathetic my my cat drinks water all day long without thinking well, about isn't it isn't that something uh, what is called nowadays like self care right uh, we are uh, embracing yeah. self uh, compassion and self care <laughs> it's a po- popular terminology nowadays like we need to uh, give uh, look after ourselves right mm-hmm. 
Yeah, but but I need a spreadsheet to kind of keep track of it. So, you know, <laughs> how, how special am I when like, you know, animals don't need spreadsheets. They just drink when they're thirsty. But, you know, uh-huh. I, I, I need an Excel spreadsheet. I see. I see. Well, uh, is it part of your uh, checklist uh, to be humble? Part of the checklist on the checklist? It's not, but the spreadsheet itself is an act of humility. Oh, meaning that from what sense? Well, just that, you know, I, I, I think it, in our thinking, we can create these grand elaborate castles of, you know, all these grand machinations in our mind, but it's like, I'm not even drinking enough water each day. Like this basic human task you know, that, that I need to sort of be deliberate about. So, you know, how amazing is my mind if, if I need to do this extra work just to drink, which is something that dogs and cats don't seem to have a problem with. Right, right. That's a great point. I think that's really a great point to acknowledge uh, for us uh, more some kind of a evolved species. There's such a big gap between knowing and doing in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah, this knowing doing gap. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's that, that that's great. That's great. So, um uh just like uh, looking beyond yourself, uh I was wondering uh in your working life or just in life general, so many people that you come across, uh, you know, along the way, uh I was wondering, you know, uh whether you have uh encountered uh humble people i mean genuinely humble people you know there's a lot of a falsehood i would imagine that some people pretend to be more humble but you know what kind of a humble people you embody and what kind of uh, the way they see things the way they uh talk or the way they behave that uh led you to feel that oh this is truly a person that embodies humility well, I think there's, there's, there's two ways that I'm thinking about it. One, I'm looking at, so I'm looking at just in, in the workplace mm-hmm. because that's where, you know, generally where we encounter leaders, if we're going to use that, that word. And I'm looking at it from, from two perspectives, one gender and then one by by industry and again this is just my my personal experience but i feel like in in it generally a pretty big lack of of humility at least the the period of time that that i was in it when from when the internet first started Mm -hmm. until um pretty recently but but you know technology was showered with all this money and if you could program even okay you were treated really special and they the people recruiting you would would throw around these overly flattering words like you're a rock star Mm. or you know you're you're a god even Mm. and I mean the opposite of humility and and you and here you had all these smart people who maybe were 
bull leader treated poorly by these same people now who are wanting who who need them to create mm-hmm. software mm-hmm. and are and are now throwing around these words like you're you're a rock star and all this stuff and, and I think to some extent it it worked that um but it created this culture of just arrogance and 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 I was guilty of it I mean I was definitely plenty arrogant when I was in IT I mean I I think I still did a um a pretty good job at what I was doing, but I could have done a, as good a job without being so ar- arrogant at, at the same time. And so I would say in general, my experience in IT was pretty big lack of, of humility. Was that, that was that part of the, the origins of your, your book, the book you wrote about? The Coding Samurai? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah, for de- definitely. Definitely. It was... It was, I wrote that kind of at the end of my career, kind of reflecting on what book do I wish that I had when I first started that yeah. I could kind of follow. Yeah. Because, man, I just, in the software side, I did a pretty good job. But on, on the people side, I would say I was a pretty, a pretty big failure. Um, in a lot of ways. And I wish that I would have had that book when I started my career and I wish I would have followed it very keenly. And and maybe that book isn't needed as much now. I, I, I don't know. I think maybe there, well, that's there's a contribution to that field that the younger generation uh, will come along and uh, learn a little bit uh, more uh, from that book that uh, at that time uh, when you were uh, first in that field, that you didn't know about you know mm-hmm. that's sometimes i feel like uh, in many ways uh you know our experiences like even the bad experience can, can mm-hmm. be turned into something uh some something good right useful good mm-hmm. in a lot of ways mm-hmm. yeah and 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 for sure and, and i and i do want to say though that going to the the gender piece and I still have one more point to make around the industry too, since I have moved into mental health, but yep. with the, the gender piece, I would say overall women were much more humble in technology than men. It was generally men were a lot more arrogant and outspoken than, you know, a, a lot of the women that, that I, I worked with, which were also obviously, um, a huge gender disparity in technology as well. But but a couple of the women who I had as managers, I saw them as very grounded and, and humble and, and down to earth. And a lot of the women that I worked with who were programmers were also more humble, I think, in, in general. Yeah. Talking about the grounded, uh, I learned the other day that the origin of this word humility came from Latin, which is uh, humus, H-U-M-S, H-U-M-U-S, which means ground, which wow. is interesting. Yeah, that's like more co- connected to the Mother Earth, right? Mm. Like Dao De Jing is like, it's all about mm. that. Yeah, right. it makes perfect sense why it's one of the Taoist three treasures put in, in that light. Yeah. What about industry? You, you said earlier, like the industry. Mm. 
there's some observations there. Well, I I think also to some extent, and and this is just again my personal experience, but I feel like once I got into mental health, there was more humility there than what I saw in, in IT where people were a lot more outspoken and, and certain and, and opinionated. There's still that. I, I think you see it more in academia, which I'm not really counting. I mean, these are people that want to sell theories and, and modalities and sell their research and, and they want to make sure that their research is seen as mm-hmm. very important and compared to others. And, and so I'm not counting academia because I think it's probably even more full of, of arrogant, unhumble mm-hmm. people than, than even IT. It's probably kind of the <laughs> pinnacle of, of yeah. arrogance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm talking more on the, the practitioner side, just that the people I meet are, are just so much more humble and generous than the people I met in, in technology. Um, going back to managers, I think you know, my supervisor that I have, um, I mean, technically he's not my supervisor anymore, but I still look to him for guidance when I'm, I'm feeling stuck. But just a very humble person, um, a human like like every one else. But even um, in situations where you're maybe talking about ideas and concepts that are very important to him, he always had an open, humble approach and would make space for other views and and in general um at least in interactions with me i feel i feel like he was a a very humble supervisor and and manager compared to the types of people that i might have met in in the tech industry i see i see i wonder why compared to the uh some of the scholars or um more you know, some of the scholars in the academic field, why the practitioners, uh, you know, have this tendency to be more humble. Do you think they are more like they are humbled by the such a variety of people and the scenarios they encounter on their every day? Uh, it's kind of hard for them to, to kind of uh, to uh, create this grand theory out of uh, the ivory tower. They're looking at, uh, you know, really the practical wisdom and the particularities of things. Like, uh, you know, in your view, what makes, you know, the practitioners more humble? Well, well, I think it goes back to that embodied process again. I mean, if, if, if you're, Mm. if you're not embodying humility when you're working with the people that are coming to you for, for help, Mm. You're not going to do a very good job at deep listening, which is what it requires to really get to know someone's subjective experience. Mm. And and you just don't know that at all. Like you you have no idea what life someone has lived, what how they see the world, and and what patterns have emerged in their life. 
unless you just listen very, very deeply to the story that they have to tell. And, and, and that's absolutely necessary to be a decent psychotherapist or, or counselor where the academics, I mean, they're competing with each, with each other on, on ideas and, and research and trying to just, you know, prove to everyone why their argument is, is better than the next person's. And it's like, it's like a bunch of, you know, walruses smashing their chests into each other, trying to be the one who's on top. I mean, it's really, um, a completely different way of, uh, it's a different environment. And so people show up differently. That makes sense. Uh, back to the technology, high tech world, uh, in your view, do you think there is a place for humility in the tech world? For example, if somebody want, you know, like wants to embody humility in that uh, high tech environment, uh, where the, what the path may look like, do you have to earn your credibility and, and, and get, you know, build your confidence with your colleagues, your peers first, and then uh, you're cultivating that humility? You know, first of all, two questions. First of all, in your view, is there a place for humility or, you, or in, the, uh, in, uh, in high tech? Or in high tech, it's just you have to be show that kind of... Uh, uh, how would you say, like a, uh, confidence or that projection of your, uh, you know, capabilities? Yeah, I think I think you can still be humble in, in tech because people do it all the time. I mean, there's there's plenty of humble people in in tech who are successful, and and some of my how my views are colored again because I, I was really. Mm-hmm my career emerged in those early, early dot-com mm-hmm. days when obviously it was an insane time when all this money was being thrown mm-hmm. around and you were just treated as very special, even if you had m- mediocre or less than mediocre skills. I think things have changed somewhat, but you know, I have a friend who, he moved to Seattle and after graduating and he's much younger than, than I am. And he you know, told me how well he's doing kind of making, um, he's from China too. He's from uh, Chongqing, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but, um, and, and just was, you know, not in a bragging way, but just like talking about how well he's being paid. And, and he followed up very humbly and he said, you know, I don't feel like I deserve this money. I feel Mm. like there's a rocket ship out here. And if you just get on the rocket ship, this is the situation that you're in and you can just ride the rocket ship. It's not that I'm special to be on the rocket ship. I was just able to get on the rocket ship. Well, that's a a sense of humility, I would say. He is able to see that the rising tides a lifted boat, right? In, in yeah. Another way of saying it, uh, instead of attributing, you know, that good fortune to his specialness or his unique capabilities. Exactly. And he's a smart guy, 
but I think he's acknowledging there's a whole there's a whole lot of smart people if if they were all out here in Seattle you know maybe I wouldn't be able to get on the rocket ship it it just happens that you know there's enough room on the rocket ship for me yes yes totally okay okay so now uh let's take the conversation into the future uh based on everything you kind of uh read about or learn and observe uh do you think in our world there is a kind of a uh a rise of a more humble leaders uh you know based on the environment we live in uh is it, is the world calling for more humble leaders or actually we are going the opposite direction the the kind of ecosystem you know uh, we we operating in yeah i think you you had mentioned a uh, a quote to me from tony blinken do you have that quote yes i do yeah would you mind uh reading it for us yeah yeah just a little bit uh this is uh you know part of uh tony blinken's uh uh remarks at the confirmation hearing with the senate uh, foreign relations committee humility and confidence should be the flip sides of america's leadership coin humility because we have a great deal of work to do at home to enhance our standing abroad and humility because most of the world's problems are not about us even as they affect us not one of the big challenges we face can be met by one country acting alone even one as powerful as the united states but we will also act with confidence that america at its best still has a greater ability than any country on earth to mobilize others for the greater good Yeah, so there's this dynamic between humility and confidence. Yes. You know, when when Blinken says that humility and confidence should be the flip sides of America's leadership and and that America at its best um has greater ability than any country on earth to mobilize others for the greater good. Well, America at its best Well, we're we're not at our we're not at our best. So, I mean, that's like saying the strongest man in in the world at his best can lift more weights than anyone else. Well, of course, but if that person has COVID nineteen and is on a ventilator in the hospital, it's kind of a ridiculous statement to make. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so when you remove america at its best and look at the reality we're we're probably at one of our lowest points in history since slavery ended i mean we had the us capital was just invaded by a bunch of people who are not oppressed who are in a political cult that makes up a large portion of one of our political parties you know there's there's distrust enmity and and chaos mm-hmm. just beneath the surface we have these militia groups talking about overthrowing the government and blinken's statement that um america at its best can accomplish great things might be true but we're spending our energy on 
social media, outraged by all these trivial things while we're living lifestyles that as David Attenborough, the, the British um, wildlife conservationist and, and habitat conservationist said, we've created a situation where it, it, it's too late to stop the world's most vulnerable from essentially being wiped off the planet by man-made natural disasters. I mean, it's the least humble thing in the world to be outraged by everything outside of yourself, like mm-hmm. these Q, QAnon people and, 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 and people on the, on the left too. But I'm talking about Americans in general, the social media outraged where we're outraged by everything outside of ourselves, but unwilling to look at ourselves. I mean, so let me ask you, uh, you know, with a, a statement I just shared, do you agree with uh, Blinken or you don't see the same, see it the same way? I agree with the first part of the quote that humility and confidence should be the flip sides of America's leadership coin. Right. But when he, when he starts talking about America as being a leader in the world, I'm like, I completely disagree because America is not great right now. I mean, we need to get our act together right. before we start talking about being world right. leaders about anything. Look at coronavirus. Look at social media. Look right. at the domestic polarization. I mean, why we shouldn't be think- trying to lead anyone. We right. need we need leadership. Why Why do you think he said the other part? You know, the first part, you agree, right? The mm-hmm. humility part. Mm-hmm. Why do you think toward the end, he's uh, pivoting to the other side of the coin, like the confidence part? Like the Americans, uh, you know, still uh, is uh, in, a, in, a, in a, the, one of the best position in the world to uh, build alliances and, you know, uh, mobilize forces to, for the greater good. Why he chose to say, say that instead of just focusing on the humility, you think? I guess because it's his job. I mean, he's trying to represent America and trying to improve our standing after four years of America really just losing pretty much all of our credibility in um, the the world's uh, arena. But to me, it just feels incredibly premature to talk about America leading anything while we have all of these disasters happening in our own country. Right. I feel that sort of reflects the, our uh, human psychology. Uh, as an individual and as nations, we all want to correct things and improve. And at the same time, we want to feel good about ourselves. Mm-hmm. I can imagine that, you know, the reason he talked about the humility is required, you know, for example, to fix the domestic problems, right? Mm-hmm. The pandemic and, and uh, racial uh, uh, injustice and inequality. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I could imagine as a kind of a leader, a group of leaders, he also wanted to uh, make Americans uh, feel uh, good about it, that we are not that bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, we still, you know, uh, you know, have that capability. So, you know, I feel like, you know, every leader in every country, for example, 
uh, Chinese is the same. Mm. You know, I think I feel every time when I read into the between the lines of the leaders like President Xi Jinping, uh, you can see that him he's trying to nudge the nations, the people, mm-hmm. uh, especially the party, the party mm-hmm. members, mm-hmm. to be more, <laughs> you know, less corrupted and uh, mm-hmm. more hardworking, but at the same time, try to mobilize that sense of pride, mm-hmm. you know, uh, do things. But sometimes I think it's tricky, though. Sometimes uh, I, I wish the leaders, uh, I agree with you, that leaders sometimes... Uh, that is totally understandable, right? You you try to see a, a you know a, a a broad perspective. Sometimes that can muddle the picture, though. Then the message can get lost. That you get self deluded again and saying we're still you know we're still strong, we're safe, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what if you? Uh, of course, you don't want to phrase it in a way that is divisive and destructive, mm-hmm. like. The former president did, mm-hmm. but I feel like across the board there needs to be a lot of soul searching, as you said, look inside and see uh, where we are falling short, mm-hmm. and 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 uh, take real actions to resolve them, mm-hmm. and then naturally, even without diplomacy, other people, other countries will look at the U.S. and say, "Oh, they are able to do it." And then that real influence will come out. It's not like you're saying all the time, right? Sometimes it's through people are just watching, like yes. through the real actions. So I feel that's where, where it's gradually is coming because just look at how the new administration is working so hard. I, I feel I give them credit by, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they are not taking a golf, like a golf trip or, yeah. right? But I feel like, as a group, uh, across the party lines, I don't see this action, this traction mm-hmm. to confront. It's still lo- lots of fighting, a lot yeah. of self, selfish, yeah. uh, self-preservation. Uh, yeah, which when there's fighting, there's obviously also a lack of humility because we're saying, you know, I'm right, you're wrong. The other person's saying, I'm right, you're wrong. Yes, yes. I feel that... Uh, I, but I, I think, uh, you know, I, I want to get your thoughts on what does it take to move toward that scenario uh, as we're describing, like the more of a, a, a shared humility to confront the real problems and then working together with humility for solutions. It takes honesty and it, and it takes getting off the high horse. I mean, this, this probably isn't going to sound very uplifting, but it's like, if we looked inside of ourselves Mm -hmm. and honestly tried to see what's there, how many ways are, are we all, regardless of whether we're Republican, Democrat, independent, whatever, are really hurting each other and the planet. I mean, consumer culture is the most damaging thing to the planet right now, including our own species than anything else. I mean, we're we're outraged when there's a a murder. We're outraged when there's an attack on the Capitol. We're we're outraged when there's racial discrimination. Um, 
we're outraged at all that, but but we're not willing to look at how our own participation in this um, consumer capitalism is, is destroying the, the planet. And so to that extent, we're not just involved in genocide. I mean, we're, we're active participants in, in it, but we're involved in the extinction of, of countless other species at, at the same time. We're, we're, we're focusing our anger on things that are relatively trivial in comparison to how we're absolutely destroying the earth that we need to survive. You know, we're, we're, if we shared with each other and consumed less, that would be at odds with Wall Street profits Mm-hmm. And and our own wish for Wall Street to succeed because you know we want our retirements to succeed, our retirement plans to be there. We 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 want that, and so our our culture pushes us away from from that of 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 looking at how we're all living in a way that is literally destroying the habitat for ourselves and for every other species on the planet, except for whichever ones end up surviving the mass extinction that, that humans are going to, to cause. And so, so you you are saying, you are saying that, uh, um, if I understand that correctly, that somebody has to, uh, give up, uh, give, give, uh, and uh, the question is who, if we don't, no one wants to, uh, give meaning like a sacrifice uh, for the short term, then, Collectively, we might not have a long term. Yep. Going back to what you were saying, the the world can look at actions, and if we want to lead, not just how are our politicians leading, but how are we leading as a people? I mean, we're so far from being humble that I think the simplest thing to do to become humbler humbler each day would, would just be to try to consume less. Just, ah. you know, Quit, quit eating the earth from the inside out. And, but this individualistic consumer capitalism that says, you know, every couple should have their own home. And then what right. do we do? Look at the Ted Cruz, right? Let's go to Cancun. And you see on the, uh, you know, he, uh, uh, no, I'm not joking about mm-hmm. his, uh, uh, mm-hmm. like a beer belly. You know, yeah. I saw some yeah. picture of that politician in the airport. Mm-hmm you know, mm-hmm. taking his family to Cancun. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I was wondering how many, how much uh, so, uh, the politicians can uh, set up a good example and say, you know, let me not through words, just by action, maybe restrain. I mean, not live on po- poverty, right? right. Like, like a voluntary, that's the extreme. No. But at least like uh, lessen a little bit of the consumption and, and, uh, and yeah. to live a modest style in a modest and it's still pretty decent style. I, I sort of cannot mm-hmm. comprehend in my head, you know, any of these people uh, can do that. Right. There's still this idea that if you're an upper middle class family in the U.S., you should strive for this, you know, four eight to eight, yeah. four to eight thousand square foot home in the suburbs, and then fill it up with with stuff. Fill it, yeah. fill it all the way up with stuff. And you may not have the attention, the daily attention, to really uh, enjoy the stuff you own. No, 
you know, because your eyes are set on even more things. That's the ironic thing because, yeah. right? I mean, when you see people, their mindset is always like looking, 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 and mm -hmm. whatever they have, I don't feel like they are savoring right. it. They are yeah. not really taking in what they have, those beautiful things. For sure. And, and, and so I feel like that's the most important way for us to be humble in, in this day and age, you know, mm. consuming less because it's this arrogance and it's not, actually, it's not arrogance. It's just, it's lack of awareness. It's lack of introspection and it's, and, and it's a willful kind of blindness to how all the stuff that we do because it's part of our culture is really probably the most horrible atrocities that are have have ever been committed against humanity and the whole earth and and we sort of gleefully participate in it without any sort of self-reflection so uh, can we say kind of to sum up uh this awful uh blindness is actually a lack of humility it right? is yeah yeah okay uh, I think, uh, you know, this conversation is really uh, very, uh, uh, you know, very satisfying uh, in the sense that it connects, you know, all the different dots uh, that uh, in our mind and really connect us to our daily lives. Uh, next time, I would like to explore a little bit more. Maybe we can talk a little bit more how we actually start, uh, you know, to cultivate uh, this humility in our day-to-day uh, -day life, you know, example like consumption, maybe other things. Mm -hmm. uh, giving our time today, maybe we're just uh, uh, wrapping up this conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that sounds like a great idea, David. So I'm looking forward to getting in into maybe what that looks like next time. Great, great, great. Okay, I also would uh, like to... Uh, uh, Thank our listeners for joining us this morning. I hope our conversation can also be, uh, you know, uh, helpful and uh, beneficial to you as we all try to find and walk the timeless way to navigate our chaotic world. Thank you. <laughs>